Those are kind of the two big questions, uh, where to grow. So where are those growth opportunities and creating um, solutions that business customers will want to buy, but will keep them sticky and coming back for more so that they can have that recurring revenue. Those are the two big questions. Welcome to Monday Mornings with Michelle, the new business podcast. Whether you're kicking off your day or kickstarting your business, Michelle is going to kick your ass into next week with the essential fours. Strategy, systems, support, and state of mind. Now, welcome to center stage, Michelle Nedelec. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I'm super glad that you're here with us today because I have most amazing guest, Michael. Michael, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks, Michelle. Great to be here. Awesome. So give us a 5,000 foot view of who you are and what you love to do. Uh, Great. So I'm Michael Haynes. I am an SME business growth specialist. So my focus and passion, Michelle, are working with small and medium businesses, working with the CEOs and leadership teams of those businesses, uh, particularly service-based businesses. So like your professional service firms, like your accountants, lawyers, engineers, IT organizations, education training organizations, telecommunications companies. And Michelle, I focus on working with those companies that want to sell their products and services and solutions to other businesses. So I'm very much focused on the B2B space. So I'm your SME B2B specialist. So that's um, the, the, my uh, area of genius, area of focus. Nice. Slammed you with a couple of acronyms and it's going to be a day full of them. I can tell. It's all good. <laughs> so how did you get into the business growth specialty? So business growth specialty. So um, going back to my career back in Canada, you know, after I finished my MBA at Dalhousie and was working in corporate, I've always been been working in roles uh, in that interplay between marketing, sales and strategy. So really helping companies. I was working with bigger companies like your Canadian tires or craft foods, helping them to understand their markets, understand their customers and how to translate that understanding into real meaningful strategies and actions been doing that in corporate for a long time. Uh, Then in 2010, had the epiphany, you know what, I really enjoy what I do, but big corporate's really not for me. Um, And decided, you know what, I really want to be working more with small and medium-sized businesses, because I think there are lots of genius there where people are working on their businesses, but they really haven't uh, developed the abilities of how to really effectively understand their market and customers to take their businesses to the next level. So it was really in 2010 that I made that transition of taking my skills and knowledge from big corporate and how to apply that, how small and medium businesses can do so, and specifically in the business to business realm where there's massive opportunities for our small, medium business owners and entrepreneurs. Nice. Oh, we are going to have fun with you today because you were talking my love language. This is strategies going, yes, it's going to be awesome. So in my limited experience of big business, so I have never worked a real corporate job. I've worked for um, companies that had like a couple of hundred employees, but I've never worked for the big IBMs, those kind of things. Um, My understanding and assumptions in them, especially when it comes to brand awareness versus brand conversion (laughs) or marketing conversion, um, and from business books that I've read, is that they talk two different languages. Like when you talk big business, they're talking numbers, they're talking KPIs, they're talking number analysis, and small business is like, I have a, like a a P&L is a what? (laughs) It's it's totally different. So talk to me a little bit about kind of the culture shock that you might have had uh, transitioning. 
So great question, Michelle. So really, um, I would say, you know, small, medium business owners are pretty, are very switched on, very knowledgeable, very sophisticated. So they're used to dealing with numbers and business concepts. You do have to watch the language. And that was one of the, my big things that I had to make the adjustment. So when I was working in big corporate and we're talking about understanding customers and markets, I talk customer insight and market segmentation, um, you, know, um, you know, CVA, net promoter score. When dealing with small, medium businesses, I just talk to them about, okay, what do you understand? understand about your markets, your customers? What are the industries that are you going after? Do you understand your business buyers, your decision makers? So that's more simpler language, but still really focusing on what are some of the core key concepts and things they need to be doing, like understanding your markets, understanding not just the business customer, but the decision makers, the actual business buyers, and just using that language. Uh, secondly, Michelle, also the tools in which are used and the mechanisms to do so are much more, I guess, practical. I really try to take a practical, um, actionable oriented approach. So I don't talk about segmentation studies and all those kinds of things that I would be when I'm dealing with uh, corporate. With your small, medium businesses, it's like, well, have you had a customer meetings, customer workshops, um, setting up customer advisory forums, doing your breakfast, your seminars, tapping into your industry professional associations. These are all practical and tangible things, which also big corporates can do. But for small, medium business owners, that's what they need to be doing and talking in that language. They understand it. They get it. Um, and it's enabling them to really take action. So it's really around the, the language and contextualizing for them. Nice. So what is it about that small medium, other than their enthusiasm and their action taking, that you'd love to work with? Why small and medium businesses for you? Well, Michelle, really, it is those two, you know, the enthusiasm, action taking, you can get results. Um, to be quite honest, I spent a lot of time in corporate doing a lot of work um, around, you know, you know, understanding markets, developing strategies, but then the strategy would sit on the shelf. You know, I had some, you know, corporate clients that I've worked with that you can see, you know, versions one through 10 of the strategic plan, but what have they executed? They've done nothing. Whereas small, medium business owners will take action. Um, I believe, you know, strategy, you need to have strategy. It should be short and concise. Um, even for my largest SME customers, we don't have a strategy document more than seven to eight pages, including appendices, okay? The full document, you know, everything should be very actionable and small medium businesses will take action. Then we see what works, what doesn't work. Whereas in big corporate, we just did a lot of, you know, analysis, strategy planning. Oh, it's time for the next cycle. And you, you're reiterating the plan with no actions being taken. So it's really that, yeah, execution and seeing results and just getting that satisfaction of seeing your small, medium businesses make those transitions, having those journeys and making achievements, progression, uh, and really, yeah, having impact. That's really what I love about working with my peeps of small, medium businesses. Nice. I love that. So how quickly could somebody start to scale their business once they're working with you and they're starting to figure these different aspects out? Um, okay. Scaling. Well, scaling can be a whole different, uh, that, oh. that can take a, <laughs> take a while. Scaling, which Fair everyone enough. loves to do yesterday. Um, but in terms of being able to make traction, um, mm. really within, you know, two to three months, um, we can really start making some tangible, um, actionable progress in terms of really getting some runs on the board in terms of getting those conversations, those meetings, getting some of those sales transactions and, and you know, establishing those relationships. So, Eight, eight to 12 weeks, we can really start making, really starting to move the dial and start taking some tangible actions that are really going to uh, move those um, uh, business uh, goals and metrics that they're trying to achieve. Nice. So when, when we'll back up the bus, we won't talk about scaling yet. 
<laughs> when somebody's running their business and just wants to keep all legs on the ground but move, um, what are some of the the things that you see that you're like, oh wow, you shouldn't have done that? Like those kind of mistakes. What do you see happening? Um, one of the first things I see with um, small medium businesses is often, which I often saw with large corporates too, is not having enough understanding of the markets and customers that you serve. One of the first questions I will ask in one of my initial meetings is when the last time you've had a conversation with the current decision makers in some of your key target organizations. Having those discussions, Michelle, to understand you know, who those decision makers are. And in this environment, there's lots of moving around of roles and titles, but understanding who that decision maker is. Uh, and often in B2B, there are several of them, but knowing who those key decision makers are, what are their pri priorities? What are their key challenges? Having an in-depth understanding of that, what you can do through having a short conversation with them is critical because that will help you know where you need to be focusing within your organization. And I often find with small medium businesses, they haven't done enough of that. So they, have, they don't have that current understanding of their customers, those decision makers, and also what's going on in those industries and markets that they're targeting as well. So that's often one of the first areas uh, that we focus in on is filling in those gaps. So we have that depth of understanding required so we can take action. Nice, so when you're having those conversations, who do you, or who or how do you necessarily start those conversations? So I know a lot of business owners about, oh, that's up to the sales guys. They need to talk to them. And then other ones are like, no, that's managers. And then other ones are going like, you're the CEO. You got to make the decision. So you got to go talk to them or send out an email. <laughs> um, in <laughs> terms of having those kinds of strategic discussions, I like to have discussions. I, I ideally, and with small, medium businesses, it can be somewhat easier. I like to have it with your senior leadership team. Um, you know, so No, but I mean, we, when you're talking to them and you say, okay, you need to go in and talk to your clients' decision makers. Who, our company A has to talk to company B, who is the client. Who does company A send in to talk to the decision makers at company B? Um, so it will depend. Um, with some of the smaller clients, I often will have it. Um, it may be involving the CEO. So it may involve the CEO, the business owner. Um, certainly the heads of marketing, sales, um, operations. We may start initially with um, may start initially with your salesperson, um, making sure they're very switched on. So often salesperson might be that initial person who might start some of those conversations. Um, and then we may later on subsequently build in and have other people. So your head of sales, head of marketing and business development may lead some of those discussions. However, Michelle, I'll preface, um, they'll be well prepared for those discussions <laughs> by working with other members of the organization, um, such as you know, getting feedback from um, in the likes of marketing and operations. Because the key to success is you have to work cross-functionally. This working in silos, no longer it no longer works. And marketing and sales in particular, must work hand in hand, particularly in the business to business environment. Um, just by the way, business decision makers, B2B customers are now making decisions and how they buy, it's changed significantly. Do you find that they're getting better at that? Or is it still an issue where you're like, no, we need to figure out a time that you guys can come together? Um, with it's a bit of a mixed bag. I find with small, with small medium organization, it is um, that I've been working with. We, it's been much, it's been easier because they are smaller, more lean and a bit more open. I find often getting marketing and sales to work together is easier. Um, but it's something, it is quite critical that um, they are working together. And the reason why, Michelle, is that business uh, customers, business decision makers are doing a lot of independent research now online. They don't want to talk to a sales rep 
until much later in the process. They're, you know, they're going, they're Googling, they're going online, they're talking to people in their industry associations. They're a part of, of various kinds of groups, online communities, forums, masterminds. So they're getting information, they're working with colleagues and, and they're doing a lot of this, they're attending events. These are the kinds of things that they're doing as part of their research, as part of their purchase decision process. And they're doing a lot more of that. And then it's not so much later in that research process that they wanna be talking to sales reps. Hence, marketing and sales have to work together as marketing needs to provide the right kinds of tools insights, information, the white papers, um, the kinds of tools where business buyers look for information. We need to proactively provide that up front. And then sales needs to be prepared for once they actually get, get to have those uh, discussions to be able to go in with the CEO and the senior head and have those strategic discussions and be talking not as a salesperson, but as a strategic advisor and partner to really discuss their challenges and issues that that prospect has and how you're gonna work with them to achieve their objectives. Nice. I love that. And I find with a lot of the clients that we work with, it's kind of easier said than done getting sales and marketing to talk to each other and speak the same language, making sure that everything's going smoothly. Do you have kind of a ideas or um, steps, solutions for, for companies that are looking at being able to get their sales and marketing or the different silos of um, departments talking to each other? Um, well, yes, a, a couple of things. One, certainly a, a, a top-down approach where, you know, that your, your CEO is really championing, championing that because in order to drive sales, drive growth um, that we want to achieve, you know, you have to have your, your departments working together, marketing, sales, your customer service and support, sometimes called customer success, your products, operations, they all will have to work to deliver to the customer. Um, I think starting off and having some uh, key discussions and meetings with marketing and sales, so having meetings and workshops. So we get on the same page so we know, you know, who are our target markets, who are our target customers, who are the target decision makers that we're going after, making sure there is clarity and alignment and understanding of who we're going after. That is the first starting point. And then, um, then start working out your plan of what you're going to be doing to uh, service those prospects and, and customers in terms of providing the right kinds of tools, information and insights proactively, which marketing will drive and how sales will then be um, working to you know, drive those strategic discussions uh, and making sure they have that depth of understanding to really have strategic advisory discussions to work with those prospects and customers. So that, that alignment um, up front and having those kinds of dis initial discussions and planning and alignment is really critical to marketing and sales working together. Nice. I love that. So give us an example of one of your Cinderella stories. One of my Cinderella stories. So one of my Cinderella stories, I guess, would be um, I had a insurance brokerage firm in Canada in Ottawa who um, national firm. Um, they do. Uh, they've been looking to a family business, been around a long time, was seeking to, uh, to grow. And um, through Im implementing some of the approaches I've talked about by working with them to making sure that the team is really got an clear understanding of what were some of the growth market opportunities in some niche sectors. They really want to build out the business, but they want to identify, are there some niche industry sectors we could go into to build out uh, our insurance business and what sorts of insurance solutions and packages they could offer. So by um, 
I was working with their, with their marketing and sales team, making sure building out an in-depth understanding of the Canadian landscape, where they were currently, where were some of the opportunities to provide some uh, new kinds of insurance offerings. Uh, they were able to really expand up the company nationally. And now they provide comprehensive insurance solutions, uh, commercial business insurances for some niche sectors, such as like funerals, dental, and a few technical areas as well. Um, but it all was based on really going through that process of working with their teams to understand where are they currently uh, serving, who they were serving well, having an understanding of what are some of the, the needs of insurance customers, where were some of the, the growth pockets. Um, and again, through understanding customers, interviewing customers, really having an understanding what's going on in some of those target industries, and then building out the right kinds of insurance solutions to really meet the needs of those uh, niche sectors. And now the company is going from strength to strength. And now they're at a point now they're looking to scale and really take things to the next level. So that's one of my success stories. Nice. I love that. So for people who don't understand that <laughs> glass ceiling, if you will, of building a business and then scaling in your um, experience, what is what is that glass ceiling like? How do you know that you're getting there? And what's the difference between just wanting to grow your business and actually scaling? So yeah, great question, Michelle. So really in, in, in the whole growth journey of things, you know, if, you know, early stage businesses, early stage businesses want to get those initial runs on the board. So getting those initial clients and customers. So um, for those kinds of businesses, I say start small, pick one particular, uh, you know, one particular sector that you're going to go after. So if we um, take my insurance uh, brokerage firm example, um, as an early stage, we might say, okay, we're just going to go after professional service businesses to see what are the opportunities. And so you want to, see, you know, to, to implement what marketing and sales strategies are going to work that get you those initial clients and customers, and not just getting them to buy from you, but also to renew from you and hopefully maybe give you some referrals as well. So what's going to start giving us some momentum? So then as you're starting to get momentum, you're getting some more sales, then you might say, all right, let's see what other customer segments, what other industries, what other geographies we can expand to, where we can take our offerings using those marketing and sales processes that we found have worked that have not gotten just initial sales, but renewals, cross sales and referrals, where are some other opportunities? So then you start expanding out to other geographies, other customer types, potentially other markets. As that's happening now, then you want to be looking to see, okay, now how can we expand and take things to the next level to potentially other industries, other markets? Where are things really reputable that we can start bringing in joint venture partners and really start taking things to the next level to really be able to grow, to really start getting into that scale mode? So it's, it's kind of that evolution from initial runs, gaining some momentum, and then really looking at how you can really expand out through other industries, markets, more channels, channel partners, and, and really looking then to really ramp up and really um, take the growth um, exponentially. Nice, love that. So what are the stumbling blocks that somebody might have right now and they're thinking, oh my God, Michael, I need you so bad, my company. What are some of the stumbling blocks? Um, often, a lot of questions I've been getting during the past couple of months leading uh, up to the holiday season, end of the year was, Michael, I want to grow the business, um, but they don't know where to grow. So they want to grow. We can service everyone and I, I want to grow, grow the business. So they're not clear on where are those true growth opportunities that make sense for them. So that's often one of the key stumbling blocks that they want to grow, but they're not sure, you know, 
where those growth opportunities are really accident and what industries, what customer types, what and what they need to be doing to offering them. So that's often one one stumbling block is where to grow and then also how to grow. Um, you know, so is it going after new customers, new markets, um, developing what developing the right kinds of solutions that business customers are going to want to buy? That's often a question where how can I create a co compelling solution that's right for my customers, my industry, that is really gonna make folks sign up and hopefully want to stay with me as well. So those are kind of the two big questions, uh, where to grow, so where are those growth opportunities and creating um, solutions that business customers will want to buy, but will keep them sticky and coming back for more so that they can have that recurring revenue. Those are the two big questions um, that has been coming up quite a bit amongst small and medium businesses. Nice, I love that. And I think it is so important that people realize that having customer loyalty where they're coming back is where you're really making the most profit because you're not spending a whole lot of money on kind of marketing to them so much as just kind of retargeting them and going, hey, do you know we have this, that, and the other thing? Oh, and Michelle, Yep. Great point. Um, what I'd just like to jump in and add there, oh, the key to having customer stickiness and having that recurring revenue, which has been coming up quite a bit, is in order to get recurring revenue, you have to deliver recurring value. So you have to give clients a reason to want to continue spending money with you. So I often tell a lot of my clients that I'm working with, and again, I work with a lot of service-based businesses, I say, well, where are the opportunities to provide those value adds, such as, you know, um, any kinds of advice and consulting, reporting, giving them access to expertise, hand-holding. These are the kinds of things that uh, your business customers often will need on an ongoing basis. They want to have access to support when things go wrong or to get more training or to get more advice. So how can you provide access uh, to those things on an ongoing basis? That is often, um, if you could deliver it in the right way based on what your clients in your industry need, that is a way how you can get long-term clients renewals and also those recurring revenue streams where you can get people, get your clients on retainers and having them for long periods of time. But again, the key is about you've got to, you want recurring revenue, you've got to give recurring value. Nice, absolutely you do, <laughs> that is fantastic. So I know that people are gonna to wanna to start their journey with you, how do they do that? Um, sure, great question, Michelle. So um, best place to connect with me is to go to my website, listeninnovategrow.com. And on the website, there is a wealth of information, articles, blogs, um, videos, interviews such as this, which will talk to you about using what I call the Listen, Innovate, Grow framework on how you acquire, retain, and grow business customers uh, in that business-to-business -business context. So listeninnovategrow.com, a great place to go. And you also can uh, find me on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn, putting out lots of content regularly, and I love to connect. So um, please reach out and connect to me uh, on LinkedIn as well. Nice. And we, of course, will have those links in the show notes. And if you're driving right now and can't go to the show notes, go to awarenessstrategies.com slash blog. And we will have all of Michael's information there. And you'll be able to search him under um, Listen, Innovate, Grow, Michael Haynes, and Business Strategies. <laughs> Anything else you've heard that can actually be able to find him. That is awesome. Thank you. So Again, I want to thank you so much for your time. I know how valuable it is. We're almost coming to the end, but I have to ask you this. At what point in life did you know that you were a special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? Uh, I would have to say probably back in 2010, um, in one of my last corporate roles, um, I just I was sitting in a meeting and I just thought, you know what? I've had enough of some of the corporate 
stuff. I won't use any expletives. I, um, I thought, you know what, it's time for a change. Um, yeah, so 2010, um, hitting a milestone age with a big 4-0. So yeah, sitting in a corporate boardroom, I just thought, no, I can, I can do better. I can serve, I can have more of an impact. And who do I really want to serve? So that's really when that kind of, I kind of had that light bulb moment. Nice. I love that. I have to ask because you know, I never know when people kind of start losing the faith in entrepreneur on this and they're going, oh my God, it's me. And it's like, no, it's not you. You're special. You are crazy. Keep going. You can do it. <laughs> that was awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you again for your time. I do appreciate it. Any last words for our peeps? Um, have a growth mindset. Um, you've got to, yeah, you've got to have a growth mindset and really continue working on developing yourself as well as your business. The growth mindset and keep working on your growth mindset because that is the key to everything. Because when your mindset is right, you'll be able to um, take the hard, frustrating days, weeks, sometimes months on this entrepreneurial journey that we're on. But the key to is always work on training, building, maintaining a growth mindset. Very important. Nice, I love that. But, and while I have you, I'm gonna sneak one other one in there. Because on that growth mindset, a lot of people go, well, yeah, I wanna grow. What does it mean? How can they take some tangible steps to growing that, nurturing that mindset? Absolutely. So um, I believe a number of things and I'm a big believer, Michelle, in practicing what I preach. So um, I listen to a lot of podcasts or a number of podcasts that I listen to, uh, you know, while I'm at the gym and on the weekends to help me um, get that mindset and maintain it, reading books as well. But even though I'm a consultant, I also have my own advisor. I actually have two advisors that I work with on my business um, to work to help me keep on my A game, take things to the next level, and also to keep me in the mindset, in the zone as well, as I am also an entrepreneur who is also going on the challenges of maintaining, building and growing a business. So listening, reading, but getting mentors and be, being a part of a community of similar growth-minded, like-minded people is also very important. And Michelle, I will just say that third component is quite critical because you can read, you can listen, but really having that advisor, uh, advisor mentor and being part of a community it's really that action factor that is really going to really help you um, build a mindset and be able to take action to get where you want to go. That is so important. I agree wholeheartedly because I think we get, as entrepreneurs, we get stuck going, oh, this is my baby. And obviously I'm going to be emotionally involved with my baby. And somebody like you can come in and go, oh, but you just have to do this, that, and the other thing. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I could do those. That, that'd be all right. <laughs> but we don't see those because, you know, we're thinking it has to be hard and we have to do it. <laughs> we have to do all these things. I love that. So maintain your growth mindset. Awesome. Thank you again, Michael. It's been awesome having you here. We will have your links to the show notes, the listeninnovategrow.com and Michael Haynes on LinkedIn, especially. Got Thank it? you so much, Michelle. It's been fantastic. Enjoyed our conversation. Great awesome. fun. This is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being here with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app so that we can help you scale your business. I love having you here. So come back again. Thank you for listening to our show. I'm all about being a resource center for entrepreneurs to give them the information and the support that they need to make it in business. As such, the notes for this show can be found at our website at awarenessstrategies.com slash blog. Be sure to subscribe, give us a rating, I like five stars personally, and share with your friends.